0: Let's look in our Bibles to the book of John, to chapter 6, the book of John, and in chapter 6, and we'll also read a few verses in chapter 3 of the book of John. Let's pray before we read. Father, we ask your blessings upon us this evening. We ask you to help us as we look into your word. We know that what we're on is This evening in our study is things that many pervert, many false doctrines. We pray that you would help us to look into your word and see truth. We're thankful that we have the scriptures to look into. Again, we ask you to bless us as we worship you. We pray that you would be with us in all that we do for your honor and for your glory. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. We're so thankful for him. that. He loved us and gave himself for us. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Reading one verse in John chapter 6. It's verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. That's the statement I want you to see. Mainly the statement it is the spirit that quickeneth quickeneth. If you would look back to John in chapter 3, here i read verse 3 through verse 6. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? In our study last Wednesday evening, we looked at some things concerning the Holy Spirit of God. I want to do that again this evening. I mentioned last week that I know of no biblical doctrine which has been perverted or simply ignored and neglected more than the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But the biblical teaching concerning the Holy Spirit is just as important as the biblical teaching of God the Father or God the Son. For they are equal as God. The Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father and God the Son. I mentioned this, I think, to Brother Justice last week. I think many Baptists and others... Have allowed the perversion and errors of many to cause them to not even mention the working of the Holy Spirit, afraid they might be accused of going off in Pentecostal directions or whatever, and it seems to be a neglected teaching, but it is a vital teaching in the Word of God. I want us to look this evening at the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. And as we do that, we'll note the the importance and the necessity of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a necessity that the working of the Holy Spirit take place, or to put it very simply, we would have no salvation without the work of the Holy Spirit. There are several names. If you're in John, go with me to John chapter 14. There's many different names and titles of the Holy Spirit that tell of His personal work. The names give us indication of His work. I'm going to mention just four of these different names or titles. The first one I'll mention is in John chapter 14, and I read there verse 16 and verse 17. John 14:16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now we went over the word comforter in our study last week, and that is not the name I want us to see this evening. Notice the next verse. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. The Spirit of truth, one of the names and titles of the Holy Spirit. From there I'm going to go to the book of Romans, and in chapter 8. Romans, and in chapter 8, and I'll read verse 2. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice that, the Spirit of life. Again, these names tell us something about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. In the same chapter, Romans chapter 8, you look at verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Another name or title of the Holy Spirit. You might note in that verse where it says the spirit of bondage, the word spirits with a small little s, and the word spirit of adoption, it's a capital S indicating deity. I'm going to go from there to the book of Hebrews, and in chapter 10, Hebrews, and in chapter 10, and I'll read verse 29. Hebrews 10, 29. For of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant Wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. And hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. These four designations. And again there's many more for the Holy Spirit. Over a hundred I've been told. But these four I wanted to point out. He's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of life. The Spirit of adoption. And the Spirit of grace. And I'll say again. The work of the Holy Spirit is just as necessary in our salvation as the work of God the Father or God the Son Himself. And I'll add to that the coming of the Holy Spirit is just as important as the coming of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. he said, and when he is come. Well, that coming of the Holy Spirit is just as important as when Jesus Christ did come into this world. Without the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God, Christianity would be an empty religion just like all others are. It would be a farce. It would be nothing better than any other religion that is in the world if it were not for the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we would have no salvation. And if we did have salvation, we would not even have knowledge of it without the Holy Spirit of God. Look back to Romans again in chapter 8. Romans, and in chapter 8, again the working and person of the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, and in verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if you think about just that phrase, it's a little bit strange if you think about it. It says, you're not in the flesh, then it says, but in the Spirit. But the only way you're in the Spirit is if the Spirit of God is in you. You cannot be in the Spirit unless the Spirit of God is in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You remember verse 16 of Romans 8. Where it says the Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Who is it that told you you were a child of God? Who informed you that you were a child of God? How do you know that you are a child of God? It's in and through the working of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'll say again without the Holy Spirit there would be no salvation. If we were to have salvation, we wouldn't know it without the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. As we look at the Holy Spirit and His work, always keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is sovereign in His work. He works when He wants to, where He wants to, and in a sense, upon whom He wants to, and I say just in a sense, because in His saving work He only works upon those whom the Father has given under the Son in divine election, and He only works upon those for whom Christ died. The working of the Holy Spirit will never exceed the work of the Father nor the Son. They're all. In agreement, and one never comes short of the other, and one never goes beyond the other. That's why I say, in a sense, He works upon whom He will, but it has to be confined to the purpose and will of the Godhead. To keep in mind, He is sovereign. But also, let me mention this There, there are many similarities in individual salvation experience. There's, there's many different things that we all experience the same thing. Everyone who is saved experience the same thing. But there are also many differences also. None of us have the same experience all the way through. You and I did not have the same experience. Salvation experience as Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. Jesus did not appear personally and speak to us and uh, and deal with us as he did Saul of Tarsus. Our experience is probably a lot more like Lydia by the riverbank. God just opened our heart, and we was able to really understand the gospel and the things that were were spoken unto us. And again, my point is, the Holy Spirit is sovereign in how he applies salvation. That's what he really does. He applies the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ to those for whom Christ has died. We read, I'm going to go back and read the verses that we read at the beginning. John chapter 6 and in verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. And when it says there, the flesh profiteth nothing, there's no work of the flesh or of any individual that can profit or bring them spiritual life. A person cannot make themselves alive. It's the Spirit's work in quickening. Then in John chapter 3, in verses 3 through verse 6, we had the wording there about being born again. Being born again. I'm going to read those verses again, starting in John 3 and in verse 6. But notice the being born again. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Again, here you have the word born. And in John 6, verse 63, you have the word quicken, quicken. Quickening is not the same as being born. The birth and quickening are not one and the same. Quickening is the giving or imparting of life. I'm going to read this, you all know it by heart, but in Ephesians chapter 2 and and in verse 1, Paul did write, and you hath he quickened who were dead. I think we just read over that and don't understand the importance of that, but he said you were dead, and you hath he quickened. The one that did the quickening here according to our text verse in John 6 verse 63 is the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. In Ephesians 2 verse 1, these along with you and I were dead in trespasses and in sins until the Holy Spirit quickened us or imparted unto us Spiritual life. Being born again is not the same as being quickened. Being born again is the bringing forth of the life from one who has life. It's the bringing forth of the life. And surely we can understand that in natural birth. There is a life before there is a birth. And so it is in the spiritual things being born again is bringing forth the, the life that's already been given by the Holy Spirit of God. Now these two things, the giving of life, the quickening, and the birth are not one and the same, but they are so closely associated I don't think you can, can, can discern one from the other. It seems like It's just instant with one and the other. You're given life and the birth. I've used the example here several times about a light switch. You flip the light switch, a light comes on. Well, it appears like it all happens at the same time, but we know that switch was flipped before that light came on. It had to happen or that light would never have come on. Well, there has to be a quickening before there can be a birth. There has to be the giving or the imparting of life before there can be a birth. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, and the Spirit is also involved, and we just read it back in John chapter 3, in the birth. We're born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Be turning, if you would, to Matthew chapter 19. Now I'm going to mention this. Sometimes you will hear the word regeneration used instead of the word quickening or uh, being born again. Sometimes people use the word regeneration. The word regeneration appears in our Bibles only two times. And I'm going to read these to you. The first one's in Matthew chapter nineteen. Matthew, and in chapter 19, and it's in verse 28. Matthew nineteen twenty-eight, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones... Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's one time. The first time is found in our Bibles. The second time is in the book of Titus. In the book of Titus and in chapter 3, we have the word regeneration. Chapter 3 of Titus and in verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now again, I'm going to mention, sometimes you hear preachers, others, use the word regeneration in reference to the new birth or the quickening or both of them. But it's not used that way in our English Bible. But I'll mention this. The word that's translated born again in John chapter 3 is translated from a word which does mean regeneration. Therefore it is proper to use the word regeneration because by definition it's there. It's just not stated so in our English Bible. Again, that's another reason for Bible study and to study the meaning of words in the Scripture. It does help. The word regeneration, when people use it, many times are referring to both the quickening and the new birth. And they're not doing wrong by doing so. But I do think we need to understand the word quickening as it is in the Scripture, as the work of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to go back to that matter of quickening and as well as the new birth. Quickening, or giving this spiritual life, I mentioned it was a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God. I'll also add to that it is a sovereign independent work of the Holy Spirit of God. And by that I mean that the Holy Spirit does not use any means nor instruments in the matter of quickening or giving life. The quickening is done solely by the personal work of the Holy Spirit of God. But when it comes to the birth, it's a different story there. In the birth, the bringing forth of the light, the Holy Spirit does use means or instruments in the new birth, but not in the quickening. The Holy Spirit just quickens. But then when the birth is to take place, the one who has life is to be brought forth. You could use the word conversion. Conversion. When that takes place the Holy Spirit does use means in the new birth. I'm going to read at least three places. First Corinthians in chapter 4 and in verse 15. First Corinthians in chapter 4 and in verse 15. The apostle Paul writings For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Now there's two means there that the Holy Spirit uses. We read in John chapter 3 that we're born of the Spirit. That's a work of the Spirit, but means are used. Here in verse 15, I see two things the Holy Spirit uses. One of them was the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I have begotten you. But there was another means that was used. And he said, I have begotten you through the gospel. So we know immediately that in the means used by the Holy Spirit of God in the due birth, God called men preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit uses them as his instruments in accomplishing this. Go to the book of James. In the book of James and in chapter 1. I'll get there in a minute. I'm having trouble with one arm. In James chapter 1 and in verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Begat, you know, is the same as birth. Of his own will. Of his own will. You might remember back in the book of John also that we're told there it's not the will of the flesh. It's not the will of man. It's of God. Well, here it says it again. Of his own will, begat he us. How did he do that? With the word of truth, the instrument that was used in the new birth. One more place in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter and in chapter 1, and in verse 23. 1 Peter 1 and in verse 23. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed. But of incorruptible. By the word of God. Which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again. By the word of God. The word of God. The Holy Spirit uses God-called men and the preaching of the gospel in the salvation of sinners. He sovereignly, independently gives life to God's elect, but that life is brought forth using instruments or, or means. There's there's several extreme views concerning the Holy Spirit and the matter of salvation. I'll mention two of these. There are are some who believe that sinners can be saved without ever hearing the gospel. Most primitive Baptists hold to that and there's others that hold to it also that a person can be saved and never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Others have the view that, that sinners are saved By hearing the gospel, but without any influence or power and working of the Holy Spirit. Just by hearing somebody preach, without the the Holy Spirit empowering anything. Neither of these views have any biblical basis at all. They're all the teaching of men, and they're foreign to the Word of God. I'm going to go to Romans in chapter 10. Romans, and in chapter 10, Paul makes a a very important statement in verse 17. And we've all read it, and you've heard many sermons from this. But again, the importance of the working of the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Spirit using the gospel in the new birth. Romans 10, verse 17 So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you were to remove the word of God, if you were to remove the gospel, there would be nothing to hear. If there's nothing to hear, according to verse 17, there'd be no faith. Why do I say that? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Is the gospel important? Is it used? Well, it it, it certainly is. What is termed as, as saving faith never comes to an individual separate and apart from the gospel, the Word of God. It just does not happen. No one can cite anyone that they know that's been saved who never heard the gospel. That person just does not exist. Again, verse 17. So then, he's drawing a conclusion here. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by by hearing. You'll notice in verse 14, there's several questions there, but one of them is... How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Consider that question. Believe. How could they have faith? How shall they believe, have faith in someone of whom they have never heard? And then verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And again, essential in the salvation of sinners is the working of the Holy Spirit of God accompanying the preaching of the gospel. Without the working and accompaniment of the Holy Spirit of God, preaching is vain. It's useless. It's just someone up could be talking about anything in the world and it would make no difference. Without the working of the Holy Spirit of God. Keep this verse in mind if you would. Romans 10.17 So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Look in the book of 1 Thessalonians. In the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to read verse 4 and verse 5. I think I mentioned this last week. But Paul, as he's writing to the saints at Thessalonica, he stated in verse 4 that he knew their election of God. He had no doubt that these people were God's elect. He said, Knowing, brother and beloved, your election of God. He didn't say, I hope you are, or you appear to be, or maybe you are. He said, knowing, brother and beloved, your election of God. How did he know? How could he know for certain without any doubt? He said, for our gospel came unto you, not in word only. You can rest assured in the life of every one of God's elect, they may hear the gospel ten thousand times, but one day... The gospel will not come to them in word only. It will come like he says here. Came not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance. How did he know these people were the elect of God? Well, he tells us there. The word was not just by itself alone. It was in power and in the Holy Spirit and it brought them much assurance. Again, the importance of the working of the Holy Spirit of God. The gospel is used by the Holy Spirit of God in this birth, in the birth. Again, not in the quickening, but in the birth. The gospel is used. And again, if you want to know somebody's election of God if you can discern what he states here in verse 4 and 5 you can be sure of their election of God he knew their election of God not because they were emotional in their their religious work or in their church services or anything else he knew it because the Holy Spirit of God brought the gospel to them in power that's how you can know I'm going to mention this back in the book of Acts in chapter 16. And again, it's something that I mentioned a little earlier, but it mentions Lydia. Again, notice what I believe here is the working of the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14. A certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken by Paul. Without this working of opening the heart, the word will come in word only, the gospel will come. Excuse me, in in word only. There have been many who have been saved, who spent their lives in church attendance from a youth up, heard the gospel over and over again, but they have (coughs) given this testimony that the day that they were saved, it was as if they heard the gospel for the first time. It's only when it comes in power and in the Holy Spirit of God. John chapter 6 again in verse 63. We'll bring this to a close by mentioning these verses again. It's the Spirit that quickeneth. May God help his people never forget that. An individual cannot give life to themselves. It would be ridiculous to think someone who was dead could give life to themselves. It's the spirit that quickeneth. And it's not anything or anyone else. When the Bible says it is the spirit that quickeneth, that excludes anyone and everything else. It's the spirit that quickeneth. And then in John chapter 3, and in verse 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I mention this to point out that what Jesus told Nicodemus in verse 7 is, and you have to go back to your days in English class, What he told Nicodemus is an imperative, it's not a command. He did not tell Nicodemus, now you need to birth yourself, you need to somehow give yourself birth. He said this must happen though. It's an imperative that it happens if anyone's going to enter into the kingdom of God, but Jesus did not tell Nicodemus to go out and do this. Same sense, sometimes people talk about people need to get saved. Well, that's foreign to Scripture. We may be be saved, being saved, but we cannot obtain it on our own. It's an act of, of God. In order for The birth to take place, it takes the Spirit of God. Again, as verse 6 says, being born of the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit. I think these two things in the Holy Spirit's work in salvation is very important to understand. It keeps from many different errors that people have gone off into. Just remember, it's a work of God.